0: I'm Laura. And I'm Keith. And today we're going to talk about how to get past the overwhelm of starting. Hey Laura. Hi Keith.
1: How are you today?
0: I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I have to admit, before we we hit record here, I think we were having just that, right? The a little bit of the how on earth do we start this?
1: Yeah. How do you start a project? I've got lots of reasons why I don't start. My biggest thing is that I'm afraid to fail. I struggle with, is it good enough? Is it even worth me doing? Where do, you, where do you find yourself struggling when it comes to starting a project? Like with this podcast, how do I record it? How do I make it sound right? Like you can get s- stuck and just spin where, where I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy some microphones that are just easy to plug and play into the computer. I have software that I can learn how to use. And so let's just like, there's not a barrier that there used to be, but we put up barriers, right? Right.
0: (laughs) And I I would say one of the barriers I know that I put up around, especially the podcast, and I would say social media as well, is I always worry about who wants to hear from me. (laughs) Do I have something worthy to say? What is it that I'm going to contribute that's different and creative and thoughtful, will I say something that people disagree with? What is that public scrutiny? And so I know that's something that being vulnerable in a more public space in a more transparent way that's that's hard for me. I know that's one reason i I hesitate to start, especially with things like I said, like social media, this podcast, because there's other things that I have no trouble starting and and going for. But this one in particular, it's it's been a little difficult.
1: That the resistance, right? It that that's coined best by Stephen Pressfield, "The War of Art." If you haven't listened listened to that or read that, it's a good it's a good thing to help a person push past these things that we're kind of talking about, like fear of failure, or should I be the one, or why should I be somebody that anybody would want to listen to or hear from? That imposter syndrome, right? That self doubt. I don't know enough that can be flipped and be like, you know, you're the only one with your unique voice and you should be able to share that because you're the only one that can and you can find an audience if it's something you're looking for or if it's another another thing let's so like the the deck. I did not we did not have a deck for years. One it's expensive, two it's not necessary. But three, I don't know how to do it, or I didn't. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, um, when you said it wasn't necessary, I'm sitting here going, hold on. I love our deck. Yeah. I think it is necessary. Yeah. Um,
1: I didn't grow up with a deck like you. Uh, it's No, it's good to have something that doesn't just turn into a sliding door that can open to your imminent demise. Correct. Uh,
0: <laughs> but you were talking about how you... We're working through that fear of starting that starting, project.
1: So something like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring it to something that's a little more physical, like a project where I'm building a deck that's on our house that's eight feet up in the air, nine feet, and it needs to hold weight. It needs to not fail. It needs a permit from the, the city. It needs to be inspected. So approved, right? Approval costs money to get the approval. It costs money for all the materials. Our family needs to be able to be safe on it. Our friends, if they, you know, come over and we entertain. And so that is everything I'm afraid of, which is, I don't know how to do it, but it needs to get done. How am I going to start? Because I've never done this before. What it, (laughs) what it makes me, what I've realized is it's, it's easier now than ever to find any knowledge. I just looked up the codes and printed them off how to build the deck. It, they tell you how to do it. Doesn't mean you know how to do it, but they give you the guidelines and all of the like a 15-page PDF, right? But you still have to start.
0: <laughs> I I think the example of the deck is a really good good one because although although it was hard to get started and I know that I definitely kept nudging you <laughs> And poking you and be like, so it would be really nice if by my birthday, I'd be able to drink a glass of wine on that deck. Or, you know, it'd be great if we could have family over by the 4th of July and do <laughs> my my subtle or not so subtle hints and not helpful. But to your credit, you did figure out the way to get it done and you did a majority of it. By yourself. I mean, you did a lot with my father-in-law. Your
1: yep, my your dad.
0: Dad, but you did do a lot of it yourself to the point where my dad calls you the Da Vinci of decks. <laughs> you knew that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot, though. Yeah, no, <laughs> I haven't heard it in a while.
0: <laughs> yes, the Da he, Vinci of decks.
1: He's called me a master carpenter, and I'm like, no, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm working with treated lumber outside, and if you're a sixteenth off, it's fine. Whereas I I want it to be right on.
0: So I think one thing that you've made me think of, too, another another reason why maybe we don't start something is that either we don't know enough or we need to learn more or we want to plan so much just so the, the project is perfect so to speak, or nothing goes wrong. So I'll talk just briefly about something that I did this week that I was terrified to do, but I did it with your help. I've been working with an executive coach who helps me, I guess, challenge me because I have aspirations of of growing in my leadership. And one of the things that I want to do is find a way to better use my social media Presence. And so Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, maybe Twitter, maybe not Twitter. But I like, I just don't really post. But I know that as I grow in my leadership and as I want to continue to progressively grow and assume higher leadership roles, that social media is something that's really important as part of that journey. And so I guess I have spent so much time reading how to do posts, how to write stories, take better pictures, how to interact appropriately. And I just don't necessarily do it. And so this week, anyway, long story short, this week, I had a day at work where the foundation was trying to raise money for student scholarships. I decided that, you know what, now is the time that I need to do something and make it happen. And so I wrote a story. I sent it to you, Keith. How'd that go? Just
1: helped edit a little bit and rearrange and just tighten it up, make it pull together a little bit more. I don't know. That's what I do.
0: I posted it on all the things. Well, most of the things, some of the things you needed to um, talk to me a little bit about how to post what was it? A story? A walk I felt th- so old. I had to walk
1: you through how to do like an Instagram story. And it's, it's there's a lot there. It's, it was it, my
0: first one. Yeah.
1: It's, <laughs> it, it's, there's a lot there, but you just, you know, to what you're saying, you just, you have to start. That's what comes up to me is you, you can't wait for the motivation to start something. You just, you need the action and action leads to motivation. They say, right. doesn't make it any easier But once you start, it's easier. So it's like, how do you, how do you get over that first hump, right? That first little, like you've said, like change your setting, change your surroundings. When you're working on that deep knowledge work that you do, you don't sit around the house because you'll, you, I mean, we both do this or I, I fall, I fall into the trap of. I will do dishes. I will do laundry. I'll vacuum. I'll clean. I'm busy. So that's why I didn't get to it. I'm busy stopping myself from doing something that's actually important, where you have gone somewhere else. You remove yourself from the situation of being at home. So you clean. You go to a coffee shop or.
0: Yeah. I found that whenever I had big projects, especially like writing projects, Mm -hmm. because writing hasn't been something that I typically get super excited about starting <laughs> or finishing. So I find all the opportunities in the world to distract myself and cleaning happens to be one of those, which those who know me would be um, shocked <laughs> that that's the thing I go to.
1: That's funny that you don't want to start your writing because you have never, you've never lacked the writing. Like when you write, if, if it's a five page essay, let's say you'll write 15 pages. And if, for me, if it's a five page essay, I have a hard time getting five paragraphs because I was brought up to be concise and to the point. And I also kind of, I kind of delay and I don't quite dig in right away, but like you, you've never been lacking in your output. And so that's kind of where I've come in, where I help edit and sure. help you be a little concise sometimes like when you need it right like with right. that post that's like basically all i did is like you did all the work like i see it as you did all the work for writing the 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 post and the story that you were trying to get across to help make a connection and i'm just like oh you did all the work now i can just be like oh i'm just gonna just polish this up a little bit or like i get you like you you <laughs> you grow the crops you you water the flowers you you cultivate the, the dirt, you do all the hard things and then I'm just like, I come by and I just arrange them in a nice vase, you know, <laughs> or so it's like, yeah, like it's, it's, I don't know. It's a good compliment. I think like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I will say that's a project that I want to do more of and be more intentional. And I'd love your help as, as I go through that and develop a, uh, okay, if I'm going to be more present on social media, then how can I set a cadence that I can stick to? How can I be present in a way that is useful, but not a presence that takes away time from doing the other stuff I want to get done? Because I know social media for me can also be a time where I just sit there and doom scroll or just look and not engage. It's a time. And,
1: it's a time suck. Yeah. It's designed to hold our attention, and it it does it. Right. It does it for me. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. So, one thing that that you said, Keith, was about how motivation. You can't necessarily just wait to be motivated to do it, and I think that's a really interesting concept because I I think. That's something growing up that I heard a lot of. Well, you just if you were just motivated,
1: right, right, you
0: would be able, you know, you'd be able to do this, right? You'd stick to an exercise routine or you would finish that book or you would learn that piano piece. But I, I find one thing that's been really helpful for me. I've been listening to another podcast and they've been talking a lot about, can you use the words? Can I just to start Or am I willing to just do X, Y, or Z? So trying to, again, say, okay, so if you want to run a 5K, so this is maybe a little off of our project topic, but it's a goal, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to run a 5K, you know that you need to train for that 5K. And so instead of being motivated to train that, that reframing of it and saying, can I just show up and do my 20 minute maintenance runs? Two times a week, and then a longer run on the weekends. And so, not waiting for motivation to, you know, walk out the door and be like, "Woohoo! I'm so excited! I'm gonna go run today." But just knowing that that's part of the roadmap for you to get to your goal and the outcome of what what you're seeking. So that was just something that I know I've been using a lot the last year, year and a half is that phrasing of, "Okay, here's my goal. This is the step to get me there. Can I just..." Am I willing to X, Y, or Z? Yeah,
1: that's, that's good. That, <laughs> I'll bring up Seth Godin again. He'll say, simply do this or merely do that. And it's, it, it's, it's a subtle way of setting yourself up to, instead of waiting for the inspiration, merely make a post on Instagram or whatever you're trying to do. Simply start with the first step whatever that might be for whatever the project is.
0: I think that's a really great way of thinking about it as well.
1: I guess that's a good transition to like, what are some techniques or tips or strategies or tactics that you use to get yourself into the action or to, to start a project?
0: So I think one thing, and this isn't something we we talked about, actually, but I think getting myself into a project and I'm thinking things for my professional life as well as things for my personal life and um, being creative is picking things at the beginning that I'm excited about that bring me joy that I want to commit my time and energy to. That's that's something that I think is really, really important.
1: So like like, yeah, why would you... Why would you want to put your time and energy into something you're not enjoying or doesn't bring you fulfillment, I guess, or
0: Yeah. well, and it, you know, I think at the end of the day, one of those things, because I don't I think beginning projects, think you would probably <laughs> be able to to affirm this for the most part, I don't hesitate too much of starting. I'm pretty good at starting projects.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't always finish them, but I'm really good at starting them.
1: I mean, I'm kind of the same way. So like, I'm not going to say too much. Like like, I, I have a hard time starting, but I also start, but my start is research and planning. And that can lead to stalling for me because there's not really a lack of information out there these days. And so I can just go on and on and like, I'll fall into the trap of how do I do it? Right. And that's something I really, you know, that's where, just doing it or smear, merely doing it is where I, I need to focus on that because I can get caught up in the perfection and that's just a stall tactic. And that's something that's it conflicts with how I come to perfection because I was, we grew up in an era of getting the highest marks or doing it right. Getting a hundred on a test doesn't really help you in the long run to go from 80% on something. If it's good enough, that's why it's, it's good enough. The effort to make something 15 or 20% better doesn't always pay off. And so it's a stall tactic. If you're trying to make, if you're trying to make a taco 20% better, are you really spending your time wisely? (laughs) <laughs> probably probably not
0: and tacos are pretty good i
1: know oh sorry that's just that's a little goofy but like there, I hear you. there's there's things where like structural engineering healthcare, you really want people to be at the 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 pinnacle of what they're doing but let's say when it comes to gardening mm-hmm. you just you go out there and you sling stuff around and you create amazing produce right
0: Oh, come on. My garden is a perfection. Right. No, I'm just it's kidding. Not, though, it's but not though. But that's some of the beauty of it, right? I, I will to say. To you it is.
1: Like, that's how, like, that's yeah. where I see that difference. Where I see you just like, you're <laughs> out there slinging mud. What's and on? not really. Like, you're out there.
0: Compost. You're and out
1: there and you're, I'm you're. in the dirt. You're, you're, you're simply gardening. Yeah. And what will be, will be. But yep. then you say, you get me out there or my mom. And we're like, why don't you do it this way? Or <laughs> what, you know, that we, we fall into the trap of, well, if we, if you do it right, it's right. Or, yeah, but it, it can be a setback, I think.
0: I mean, I think that's a good point. Like gardening's a good, good example, because even like last year, I had some great things that worked in the garden that I never thought like poblano peppers. Hello. Those are amazing. We can those. I'm putting them in soups and. I am absolutely doing that again. But there was um like um oh cucumbers the cucumbers that I put in the garden last year <laughs> definitely did not work. Did not work. They turned into little soft balls. They had huge seeds. They were disgusting. I probably let them grow just too long. But even the ones that were small were white and they didn't look ready and they were bitter. And so. I think, and I've had things not grow. Last year, the corn didn't grow at all. Our youngest loves sweet corn. And I put sweet corn in the garden and we got one cob that we never actually cooked that dried out and we gave to the squirrels the and be- my parents. The, the
1: best one went in, in the, the herb garden on the deck yeah. in front of our kitchen sink window. Right. That must have came from a, a bird. Or who a knows if it's a
0: sweet corn or but it, a regular but, corn. But
1: like that corn, that was like the, that was might, the
0: mightiest corn. The
1: mightiest corn stalk I've ever seen. And it like blocked our entire window.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I will say that's the one thing that I think over the years I've gotten more and more comfortable with. And I learned that from my mom around gardening. That sometimes things work. Sometimes things don't work. But there's no harm in trying something that seems interesting to you to try. It was interesting for me to try Growing sweet corn last year. And now I know this year I'm not going to spend time doing that. Or if I really wanted to do it, I would have researched this winter how to make it work better. So, I mean, I I think one of the things too in that lesson is going back to that idea of do something you love, make the project something you're jazzed about and excited about. Because although that might not sustain you through completing it. It can help you get over the hump of starting to do.
1: So, here we go. If there's a project that you're excited about, but you're coming up against resistance or some feeling that's preventing you from starting, right? There's not really, in this day and age, if you're listening to this, a valid excuse to not start. There's not really a reason for you to not do what you're so excited about or like an idea. Right. So I just kind of want to talk about that a little bit. Like we don't start like for all the reasons that we kind of talked about before and before recording, like afraid to fail. I'm afraid of it not being right. Not sure about my abilities, all these things. But if you're excited about it, there's no reason to not start. Right.
0: Right. I mean, I think the only thing I could think is if there was like, it depends on what it is. Is there a lack of resources? But from a from a mental standpoint, right? But there are, I mean, I could still see being like, well, I don't have time or yep. I don't have money you don't, you for the supplies, t- right? Right. right? Yeah. So like, I you mean- were talking about the deck and the cost. I mean, we waited so long to build the deck, well, right? Then- because we didn't have a lot of extra dispo- dis-
1: disposable income. disposable income.
0: Yeah. yeah thank you.
1: And then when you're like, okay, let's do this. And I'm like, this was in 2021 lumber. Like, uh, oh my
0: goodness. Yeah.
1: A one two by 10 joist or two by 12 was like $88. (laughs) And so
0: we were watching like the commodity prices of lumber.
1: Yeah. Because (laughs) me, me waiting, waiting to buy lumber from what, May, waiting until July, it went down by 50%. Well, it wasn't quite 50%. It was like 45 But every time we go, my dad's like, oh, I built a deck and it only cost me like $1,000 back in the day. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Really helpful. (laughs) Or, you know, two by four studs, they used to cost 40 cents. And I'm like, it's like $3 for a stud when we were trying to finish the basement. And I'm just like...
0: That's how prices go, though, right? Gas was under a dollar when I started driving. Yeah,
1: same here. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) So
0: I think... Another thing from a technique or a strategy standpoint that I found helpful is really blocking out specific times to be working on projects. And so I, I don't know, I don't know how how that lands for you, but I know that's something that I think is also kind of an important piece, especially for me. So I mean, during the week, my weeks are full, really full yeah. Uh, for the most part. And so my weekend is really the time that I get to make progress on some of the projects that I have going or the projects that we're doing together, even like this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And so as much as that doesn't sound as fluid as maybe, you know, or whimsical or exciting when you have a fun idea that like, oh, this is a fun project that I want to do. I'm just going to start doing it now sometimes that reality of time constraint setting aside those time blocks to do some of this creative work really helps move projects forward or at least helps you go okay i'm going to spend the next 90 minutes doing this one thing and this is the time that i'm only going to spend on this it kind of makes you sit with yourself (laughs) and spurs you to do that
1: yeah if that that makes sense yeah that's is so is like that time blocking or whatever creating structure for yourself right like i think like we all want freedom right and we all want to make our own schedule and all this stuff and like that's what i how i feel and and what i want to do but w- when when you have the actual freedom who and no one's telling you what to do are you actually doing something And so it's your responsibility and you have to be accountable creating structure, you know, setting aside time, blocking your time. It's not necessarily a restriction that it might feel like. It's more of setting yourself up to succeed. But the difference is instead of somebody else telling you what to do, you kind of have to tell yourself what to do. I'm struggling with that. Like, I want to create structure. I'm trying to create structure. But I find myself doing busy work. And avoiding and I so that's something I'm working on is not letting that resistance of not doing it right or failing at it. I and I I get it because it's so real. Like I'm um, if I'm trying to build a guitar and I make the wrong cut or I'm trying to use a router to trim something to shape and it goes wrong and that the the piece of wood will explode, right? One, you could get hurt. So always wear your safety glasses, wear your hearing protection, all that stuff. That aside, you, you can't grow the wood back like a piece of metal. You can weld it back together possibly, but like wood, if it shatters, it's done. And so trying to get past that, like if that happens now, we're luckily at a point where it's like, if I break something, I can get another one or I can fix it. But that mindset of, if I, if I ruin this, it's done and I can't do it again, that's still there. It's it's something I have to constantly work at. And that's the same with making the time and the space to to do whatever it is you're trying to do with, with a project.
0: Yeah. I, I would say I hear what you're you're saying because I know when I I actually think I'm more productive when I have more things on my schedule because I have no option but to schedule things in. <laughs> Like the time blocks, like I was talking about. So I recently transitioned uh, positions from one organization to another. And I had two glorious weeks off in between. And I had huge plans for what I was going to do, what I was going to create, what I was going to complete, what I was going to clean, what I was going to organize. And at the end of the day or at the end of those two weeks, rather, hmm. I don't think I did a majority of what I had planned to do i think we made gingerbread houses <laughs> i made some macarons yeah <laughs> a lot of macarons way, way too many macarons way too many of those this that actually brings up a, another good point is i know one thing that i do and i don't know how you if this resonates with you or if you just see it happening with me sometimes when i decide i'm going to do a project i go all in and i'm not just saying Oh, I do I decide to do a lot or I have high hopes. No, I go all in. So like the macarons, just to use that as the example. I've never made these before, but I thought, you know, I'm going to get the mats. I'm going to get the piping bags. I I'm going to get the special piping tips. I'm going to make not just one, not just two, but I'm going to make three different types the first time I made them. Mm -hmm. The evening before we are going to serve them to family at (laughs) Thanksgiving, I think that's when I made them first. Yeah. And I think, I don't know how many hours I spent, how many batches that just didn't fluff up and how frustrated i was i think i was up until like two in the morning yeah that's just trying to figure it out
1: that's like seven hours past when you're usually up
0: yes i'm a 9 p.m uh, bedtime person like was, the only
1: one in the house she was that was my time that was my alone time and she's up cooking and making loud noises in the kitchen and that's and like, being
0: grumpy about it actually that, might that, i add yeah
1: that's Keith. i wasn't happy that's keith time you're cutting into
0: <laughs> yeah but I, I mean, at the
1: you went deep. You went. I, I you,
0: went really deep. Yeah, because I think sometimes what I think when I want to get creative, and and this might be a reason why I don't see this is where it's kind of a a the the opposite example of the overwhelm of getting started. I don't think I was overwhelmed in that. I was like, I got my my. Almond flour that I need for this, I got all of the dipping chocolate. I got all my supplies. I'm just gonna go.
1: Yeah, like you with stuff like that, like I don't see you getting overwhelmed. You get excited. you you look at what do I need. You get it, it's on order. It shows up when you need it or before, and then you're just it's determination. you're You are determined that you're gonna make these little sweet treats. And they're going to be there for the family at all of our gatherings. And I'm sitting there at 1.30 <laughs> saying, I need to go to bed. I really don't want to be cleaning up the kitchen after you at two in the morning. How are you still awake? You're usually in bed four hours ago. What is happening? And you're just like, I'm just going to get this one more batch in. And I'm like, how much longer? And you're like, 10 minutes. And then 30 minutes later, you know, we're finally cleaning up. <laughs>
0: think i did the same thing with canning this year i learned how to i learned how to use a pressure cooker
1: yeah that was
0: which is awesome that was great and i think everyone in the house that are night owls fell asleep before i got done i think i was finally pulling things out around two in the morning or later
1: maybe even three i don't even know i was there or unless i fell asleep on the couch i don't know
0: so um we just popped into a break, a bio break, and you you were saying something as we were coming back um, because we were talking about the podcast and kind of figuring out whether or not what we're doing and talking about is being talked about in the right way. We're talking a little bit about perfectionism, and then you start talking about Gary Vee. and What does Gary V. say?
1: You were paging through a book while you're waiting for me, and you found. This little blurb, right? Yep. And it made me think of Gary V. If you don't know Gary V, look up Gary Vee. Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Anyway, he's got a great thing that he says where he's like, "You should focus on the things that you were passionate about when you were twelve, thirteen, fourteen. So, like, when you were a kid, what what were you into, and what you know kind of brought you joy? Let's say, right? And so I was saying, you know, yeah, I should maybe revisit some comic books, right? I grew up reading X-Men comic books and stuff and I played guitar and I should maybe index in those things a little more and be kind of get back to those things that before you're worried about what everyone else is thinking, or maybe you're worried about what everyone else is thinking. So you kind of withdraw into the things that bring you comfort or whatever that is, you know, like music and comics were that for me. I'm reading about a bunch of mutants, you know, and I kind of felt like one too which is me feeling different, but also hoping maybe I'm special. So that's what I brought up to you.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I wanted you to press play because record. record. Yeah. I don't get the terms right always. But so the quote that, that I was talking to Keith about was in this book, it's called uh, Feck Perfection by.
1: Victoria. James Victoria. James, Vic- James Victoria.
0: James Victoria. This dangerous ideas on the business of life. And so this quote, the things that made you weird as a kid make you great today.
1: And so that's what made me think of Gary Vee saying, like, maybe look back at what you were into when you were 12, 13, 14. Right. And then he'll go on and be like, if my, some of my friends kept playing video games, even though their parents were telling them not to right? like look at what some people can make doing, playing video games or making video games or coding or all these things. Right. So it's, it's kind of this idea of, Follow your passions, and maybe don't don't chase what you're supposed to be doing if it doesn't feel right.
0: Right. Pray deep, Keith. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. <laughs> I was thinking of um, when you were talking about that—the things that I was into as a kid. I'm like, I was into puzzles.
1: Yeah, you still are, too, right?
0: I still am. Yeah, I use them in a different way, I, I will say. And it seems it seems a little kitschy, maybe. It's kitschy the word?
1: I don't know. What do you mean? Tell me what you're um, saying.
0: It seems... I, I think there's more puzzlers out there than admit it, potentially. But so puzzles, for me, growing up was something that after I cleaned my room or if it was a weekday night and I just wanted to be by myself and listen to the Weezer Blue album or listen to Green Day Dookie, you know, STP, right? I would sit in my room with a card table and I would puzzle. It just helped quiet my mind. And I would say now, I mean, we almost always have a puzzle on our table.
1: And like, so you doing puzzles... Listening to music, I was in my room listening to music, a lot of that same music or similar, and I was doing Lego, right, or or drawing or reading comics, and that's what we do now at the kitchen table when we're both trying to either de stress or just have some time to let our brains just passively work on problems in the background, right? Or yeah, or just you know, I think it's, it's it's a it's a good activity, but I mean, interesting to me is like we both did these types of things to music. Which right, I think it's kind of funny. Like I forget, because yeah. I'm so in my own head, and I I'm very uh I don't know particular is the right word, but intense. What is it? I I really enjoy music, and I want music on all the time. I have my AirPods in if I'm doing dishes, and whether it's listening to music or they get older, it's podcasts or audiobooks. But I like listening to music, and so if you're like I want a puzzle, I'm like okay, cool. I'm gonna put some music on, and I'm gonna sit here while you puzzle, and maybe I'll grab some Lego. <laughs>
0: And I, I will say for me, the puzzling right now, because I have a pretty high, high stress, high responsibility type position. And so for me, I found, gosh, it must have been what, five years ago or so, six years ago, I rediscovered puzzling, I think, as a way to de-stress, as a way to quiet my mind and process through things. And sometimes, so I'm a talker.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was just thinking that same thing. So she puzzles, folks, and she gets quiet. And so I'm sitting across the table from her while she's just looking down, organizing the puzzle, finding the edge pieces and the corners, and going through her process, which is not as particular as I would do it, but just let her do it. And <laughs> my process is better. She's quiet, and I'm like, "What's <laughs> wrong? You're not talking." You're like, "I'm just, I'm puzzling." I'm like, "I know, but you're not talking to me." And she's like. I'm just I'm just puzzling and thinking and I'm like, "Oh, like it's weird. Like she's a talker. So I think <laughs> something's wrong if she's not talking." Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that threw you off at first and I didn't even really know that about myself.
1: Mhm. I'm like, what did, "What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Why are you mad at me? <laughs> Why yeah. aren't you talking to me? Like I'm I'm cool. I'm just puzzling." I'm like, "Okay."
0: Like this is how I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know the the puzzling that definitely now like I said, it serves as a way for me to de-stress. It serves as a way for me to process. And we sit at the table a lot, Keith and I, and we talk through and he helps me work through a lot of the things that I'm I'm trying to figure out what is the best approach at work. How do I how do I do this while still honoring my values, treating people well, and moving things forward in a way that's going to be the most impactful and best for the organization. And so I see puzzling and that time with Keith Legoing and our conversations really as kind of a superpower of ours. And that's, that's kind of where this podcast was born from. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, having, having time and space and discussions and, you know, like you said, you have You have things you need to talk about so that you can process and think through. And I'm more than willing to be someone that you bounce that off of. And whether I say something that resonates with you or doesn't, it's helpful, right? Like, cause I can go, I can go one direction or if I hear something and I might say this and you're like, no, 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 that's, that's (laughs) not the way I I need to think about this or go, I, I mean, that's gotta be somewhat helpful too. It uh, does
0: give me clarity sometimes. Yeah. Or I'm like, like oh no, whether,
1: that's I, not. W- whether I I get riled up.
0: You're protective of me.
1: Yeah. I can get riled up if if somebody's giving you guff, or if you're riled up, I can be like, well, maybe think about it from their perspective. Not that they're right, or you're wrong, or you're right and they're wrong, but just the empathy, generosity, compassion, right? Right. And... And we just kind of need to ground ourselves in everybody has their their own little voice in their head, and we don't really know what that is all the time, but we definitely know what we're thinking, or we need to take that with a grain of salt and just be like, okay, this is how I'm feeling, but they they're coming from somewhere for a reason, and I need to give that some consideration, even though I'm upset right now, or why don't they just listen to me? You know, whatever. Not that you say any of those things, but I go there.
0: So something that you just said, I think, can also pull us back a little to the topic today around starting. And I think some of what we talked about, too, is us being, I don't know if it's critical of ourselves or judging ourselves or trying to control maybe ourselves to make things perfect before we start. Is is you said that it's really important to have empathy, generosity, and compassion with others, mm-hmm. right? And I I think maybe could we could we explore a little bit what might that look like, or or could we apply that to this concept of starting?
1: Yeah, yeah. How do we do that?
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think I mean one thing. One thing I think about a lot. And so again, I've I listened to several podcasts and I'm really also fascinated by the work of Brene Brown around shame research. Yeah. And so I think one of the things when I think about having empathy and generosity and compassion, one thing I think about is also how can we be how can we take off that shame shawl Mm -hmm. that sometimes we put on ourselves and want to judge ourselves, right? That we we aren't doing good enough. That we aren't enough that our goals aren't big enough or well thought out enough, um
1: yeah, we get that like through comparison, right. you know what the compared to despair right right and the the enemy of good is great, kind of thing. you gotta just stop comparing yourself to the externalities if you want to do something, you're the only one that can do it the way you're going to do it. that's kind of how I. I I need to tell myself that I'm not saying I can do that, but I'm working on it and I do compare and despair. That's why I have the fear of failure or constantly try to gain more knowledge of something because I feel like I'm not good enough. Right. I guess you're saying is be generous with yourself anyway.
0: Yeah. And I I just wanted to, I realized that for people that don't know Brene Brown and her work. So uh, again, she's a shame researcher and she identifies shame as an intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. And many of us experience shame. It affects all of us and it shapes how we interact with the world and how we show up. And so I think what, what you were talking about, too, is, is how that impacts our ability to start or to continue or how we see ourselves in that process, perhaps. I think the reason why it's important to, to think about the work of Brene Brown and to normalize it. And realize that we all experience it on some level and that it can impact our ability to start a project. I think that it's just, it's important to acknowledge, recognize. She talks about really thinking about how can you remove your armor and be who you are and show up even though you're vulnerable. And maybe I'm getting too deep on this topic too.
1: No, it's it's a good thing to talk about. Keep talking about it. Like okay. what, you, what do you think? And maybe
0: I, I think maybe the reason why it's resonating with me because when we think back to the ideas of um having self-doubt that we can achieve or what we are going to achieve is good enough by whose metric, right? Or mm-hmm. if we fear that we're going to fail or we fear that we're going to have public scrutiny. For the things that we create shame really can weigh us down in a way to to make us not start
1: yeah it's it's an incredible motivator to not do right to hide from that scrutiny i guess what i would say to that is i think i said this to you the other day most people aren't watching people are busy you did tell me that with their stuff so just go about what you want to do And whether you know, so if it's you posting on social media, and like the worst that happens is somebody says this post is dumb, but like if they're gonna take their time to do that, it's like Gary V would say, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, you're having such a bad day, or what's you know,
0: he practices compassion, yeah, a lot,
1: yeah, and uh, it's it's a good idea to stop worrying about the outcome and simply go about doing what you feel like in the vanity metrics like a social media of how many likes or how many followers or how many friends those don't really matter but we all want them to go up it's just it's kind of a tricky trap and i i think it's better to focus more on how am i helping somebody else make the change that they're trying to make and that's seth godin thing so um, and i'm rambling
0: Okay, so just to go back to the the idea of we don't know what we're doing, right? Or like what <laughs> I feel like it should be easier or, you know, a couple several times say both of us have said, I have no idea what I'm doing. What am I doing? So
1: yeah, we all feel that way a lot of the times, whether or not we're willing to admit it. But I think we learn at a young age to not admit that. I think I took some notes about this or or something you said earlier. So, I don't know what I'm doing, right? Or <laughs> Exactly. Right. I don't know what I'm doing is a phrase that we are taught at a very young age to not admit. You're supposed to know the right answers on a test. Tie your shoes, know your alphabet, know your name, know your address, know your phone number. If you ask a certain question in a class, you're you disrupt the class, right? And so we're taught to not be a disruption, but then you get to a certain age and things don't coalesce with you and you need to disrupt it. You need, as Seth Godin would say, make a ruckus, make some change, right? And I, there's something there, but I don't know what I'm doing, but our voices are our unique voices. We're the only ones that have our perspective. I feel like that has been something that you're not supposed, you're supposed to conform to the status quo that I wrote something about it, but
0: you didn't have to, I mean, I think you captured it well. And I think what's interesting from a leadership perspective, because I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in a leadership role and have been for about 10 years, right. In administration, I would say the one thing that I hear from, from staff or when I was a staff member, one of the biggest complaints, I think, or things of concern is when leaders pretend to know, and they don't. I've been in rooms where I've had supervisors say really bold phrases and not flinch, and I knew that they just had no idea <laughs> what what was actually happening and what they were talking about, and some people may think that that's a really strong leader, right to to get up, to fake it to say and hold it but that's something that I've never prescribed to or respected. I think it's really important if you don't know that you say I don't know but I'll find out or if you don't know you say you know I don't know but I can learn that. And so I think when you're talking about that that was something yeah. that was
1: Yeah, I coming don't up for me too. I, I don't know but I I can learn that seems like a really good frame of mind to be in versus asserting that, you know, even if you don't. And I think people can, people can sense that, right? You can sense when somebody is just asserting what they want to be true, even though you, you can feel it's not.
0: <laughs> or they're just making it up yeah, to or save just, face. Yeah. Yeah. Just,
1: yeah. And.
0: Or they think they know, which is also yeah, possible. Yeah, but that's just, right?
1: that's delusion. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Not trying to be harsh, but I don't know, but I can learn. That's a good, I like that.
0: I mean, and I've been told by by people that I should not use that, <laughs> that I should not say that. And I do think that it's something that for me as a leader, it's one of my values to be vulnerable, to be transparent. And so to admit when I don't have all the answers, I think that's one of the basic things that I can do. I'm going to read this. I don't even know what it says, but we're going to yeah. try it. Okay. She
1: just, she picked up and I haven't even read the whole thing. Feck perfection, James Victory, dangerous ideas on the business of life. I may have read all of it, but I may not have. It's just, it's been a while. It's been a long few years. So anyway, so Laura's got this book in her hand. Yep. What's going to happen?
0: <laughs> I'm going to read you an excerpt and we're going to get your reaction to it. This is a radical idea. When you begin to see your work as a gift, it changes why you work, what you make, and even who you work for. When your work is a gift, your goal is no longer to satisfy a boss or client, or even to earn a paycheck. You now work to make yourself happy and therefore speak directly to your audience because you now give them something of value, a piece of yourself. Thoughts?
1: That's deep. You haven't read that before? No. You just open to it and you're like, I'm going to read this. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, cool, cool, you cool. know, that's how I roll. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ready, fire, aim. Right.
1: Yeah. That's you. I,
0: the one thing I will say I really like is the idea of seeing our work as a gift. Mm-hmm. As we've been thinking and talking through some of our creative work, and when I'm looking at this for for when your work is a gift, your goal is no longer to satisfy a boss or a client or even to earn a paycheck. Thinking about Keith, you we decided that you would stay home with the kids. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you didn't return to work. Yep. In the like formal work environment that you were in.
1: Paid labor. Right. Went, went away. Yes. Yep.
0: And so, I guess when I'm thinking about this, like when your work is a gift and your goal is no longer to satisfy a boss or a client, and you think about that decision we made, where are you at with that? How do you feel about that?
1: If you have kids, <laughs> it's always a challenge because you're all you just want the best for everyone. But what is the best, right? It's it's how what I know is the best is getting straight A's, knowing all the right answers, but it's not. It's are you healthy? Are you happy? That's you know, all you really need. So meandering here.
0: Meander away.
1: This is maybe the hard thing of me. The overwhelm of starting is maybe exacerbated by the fact that Nothing really matters except for the health and happiness of you and our kids. And so, I need to remember that they don't simply need me to make sure they have food, water, shelter, clean clothes. They need to see that there's more than that. (laughs) So, (laughs) I need to start making sure that instead of being in preservation mode of making sure we're all breathing and happy and healthy and fed, that. They're at that, that age of 12, 13, 14 that we were talking about, where I was starting to learn guitar, I was starting to learn artistic expression, and, and there's a lot there's a lot to be done to have a kind of a fulfilling life, right? And it needs to be a little more than simply surviving, right? We want to thrive, and you feel it. I'm super happy to be home and to be able to do what we've been doing, but there's more than that. I don't know what else. (laughs) Like, tell me what you're what you're thinking.
0: No, I wasn't thinking anything. I think there's a time when again, because I'm in a, a role that it just feels like the pressures of the role can be really big. There was a time from a creativity standpoint, at least for me. And I might be getting, again, I'm probably getting way too deep on this. But for me, I do feel like sometimes I'm, I've thought, gosh, if I could just be home, I could do that social media thing. Or <laughs> if I was just home, and then I could pursue writing blog posts or <laughs> whatever right. it was that I thought I could do. But I don't, I don't think, I don't know if it's that simple right like it is a gift to be able to have the the time and to be working for yourself and being able to be creative for yourself but there also is the reality of of life as well
1: yeah i mean that's not the reality for the majority of people right right work is a means to a paycheck so that you can just subsist
0: So there's a chapter about start.
1: Nice. There you go.
0: In the long process of rising to greatness or even goodness, starting is the hardest. It's a commitment. And like all commitments, it's scary. Partly because when we start, it implies ownership. Our journey becomes real. It's like jumping out of an airplane with a parachute that you have to trust. There's no going back. But you can't see the world without crossing an ocean. So just start. That first step is a doozy.
1: I've said that before, like when we've talked about maybe things that you've had to deal with, like people don't want to take ownership. Uh, People are afraid of change, and people don't want to be held accountable. And I think that comes from how we're taught. One of the biggest things I ever learned was when I got comfortable with when I made a mistake, and I didn't hide from it, and I just simply went up and said to whoever was in charge, I messed up and this isn't right anymore and we need to fix it. It's scary, but if you can do that, a lot of fear and shame goes away. And usually when you do that, the person that's in charge, which I, from listening and learning and reading Simon Sinek, he's like, you're not in charge of people. They're in your charge, right? Like, Mm as yeah. a leader you're you're charged with taking care of the people that you're responsible for right so when you when you say to the person that is in charge of you, right, whatever your work is, "I messed up If you can get over the like the embarrassment the shame the fear of being wrong and the failure, they don't really yell at you very much <laughs> that's what, you know I'm afraid of getting yelled at because that was my experience as a younger person of If it's wrong, you're in trouble, and you're gonna get hollered at. Hopefully, the person that you're telling that you messed up to has the kindness and the compassion, because what they see is you're taking accountability for your actions, and so that's what I mean. That's what I think of when I when I hear hear that. Out of anything, that I mean, that's a lot of words, but like that's what stood out is like I remember I I it's like I can't remember the exact moment, but like I remember saying that like I think I came home one time and I was like, you know, I messed up. And instead of trying to hide it, I just, I, I told them and I didn't get yelled at. It was actually like, you oh, know, it's all right. Yeah. That's unfortunate, but you know, we'll fix it. Mm-hmm. You know that. And I think that should be more of what happens in a lot of spaces. Yeah. How about you? Any? No. Any thoughts?
0: <laughs> I mean, I think that's interesting. And the thing that stood out to me is that you can't see the world without crossing an ocean. So just start.
1: Yeah, that is you. That is, <laughs> that is so you. Oh, my God. me, right? That's so funny. I even
0: speed up when I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, that's
1: terrifying. <laughs> I'm like, just I'm just park the car and let's get our bearings. They're like, I'm going to go north. I'm like, that's not north. That is not north. The sun is not that way. I'm like, we're in the northern hemisphere. You're going the wrong direction.
0: <laughs> but I'm like, if I go faster in that direction, then I'll be able to get my orientation sooner. I.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. That's, that's the way That's the way your brain works.
0: <laughs> <That> I <is>, but <laughs> I will say that more often than not, that is how I how I approach things, right? Yeah. Of okay, I gotta start crossing the ocean. Get in the boat. Let's figure this out. You probably see me as like more of a a person that like constantly knows kind of like okay. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna go.
1: You're always moving.
0: I'm always. That's true. I always have. A, I got. I got my grandma Doris in me. It's strong. It's fierce. It's resolute to learn whatever it is I want to do. But but I would say that there are some things that I still get hung up on. Like what? I mean, again, it goes back to things where I'm putting myself out there, right? Social being, you're media, being vulnerable and being vulnerable. Okay. Social media is huge. I have the accounts. I just don't leverage them in any way because sometimes I worry that the stories I say aren't, aren't going to be good enough or they aren't going to resonate with people or they're going to be to me for whatever that means.
1: Interesting. They're going to be they're going to be you. That's good. And like you said, are they going to resonate with people? They're going to resonate with the people the right people. It's okay if it's not for everybody. You know? Like yeah. I can say that and I gotta tell myself that too, right? Like it's it's not it's not it doesn't need to be for everybody. Like you don't need that many people to pay attention.
0: Right. The hard thing is I don't even know if I'm that drawn to people paying attention to me. I think I'm more drawn to the idea. That perhaps I can make some change, that I can make things different and better for people, for our communities. And one of the necessary means to the end is to get some attention.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what I mean. Like, I'm right. not, a, I'm like, yeah, that's a good distinction. Like, I'm not talking about getting attention as, a, as an attention seeking, not gaining, but earning people's attention so that we can serve them and get a message out that helps them make the change that they're trying to make because we're all trying to make change and I think we can learn from each other's experiences. So yeah, I'll try to make sure I say that in a better way. I'm, a good, a good way to say that is you're not going about getting attention. You're trying to earn people's attention because they only have so much to give. And it's not, it's not for a selfish gain. It's because we seek to help people make change. And we seek to make change for ourselves too, right?
0: Right. So I'm going to read one more piece of the book. Feck.
1: Excerpt.
0: Excerpt. From Fec Perfection. And it's most people start by stopping. An utterly genius idea pops into your head. Start a business. Write a story. Quit your crappy job and you let it die a death of inertia. You fail to start. This makes complete sense, as Newton's first law tells us, an object at rest, like your ass, tends to stay at rest. What do you think, Keith?
1: I completely agree with all of that. That's what, I mean, I agree with a lot of stuff. That's why I got the book, because I knew it was going to resonate with me. (laughs) I just, yeah. uh, Object at rest stays at rest, right? You've got to take accountability ownership for your situation and do whatever it is that you can do. I mean that in the most kind and loving way, right like you have a unique voice, you have a unique perspective, use it in any way that you can to go about accomplishing the goals that you have. If you have an idea for something, pursue it, if you have a project that you've wanted to tackle and you just haven't done it just google whatever that project is and then how and hit enter and you're gonna find a youtube video you're gonna find articles you're gonna find some blog or some reddit post that helps you get to the next step but you 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 have to choose you have to choose to start that's the action and it's a good place to start
0: okay actually do you want to read the next paragraph i can here you do it
1: For any creation, any new project, or new move in your life, starting is the hardest part. Too many of us are waiting to start, but while you are waiting, others are already living the life you want. The only difference between them and you is that they started. There are no special instructions, and no one is standing in your way but you. Don't think, don't rationalize, just do. Start and don't stop, because momentum is your friend.
0: I'm enjoying this book. I think one thing, and I, I keep going back to social media, especially LinkedIn, mm-hmm. because I see and I follow people that have a really good presence that I really respect what they're doing. they're creating a site that is a resource that gives content that educates, that connects, that tells a story, and I think I know I can do that too, but I have that, that feeling of, should I start? What does it look like? Could I keep this up? What if I fail? What if I post something and people get mad or frustrated or think that I posted something inappropriately? I overanalyze the content mm-hmm. to the point of paralysis.
1: Right. I'm, I mean, I do that same thing with projects or ideas that I have too. So I'm right there with you. And, you know, to that, that excerpt there, that, that reading, like, I mean, that, those trepidations that we feel that prevent us, that's the resistance, right? Right. And that is our, that voice in our head. Is, the, is that us? Mm-hmm. Because. it's a Good question. It's talking to us, but we're listening to it. So there's a voice in our head and it's trying to stop us from creating discomfort. It's. It's it's stopping the inertia. It's stopping the momentum for fear of it being different. And so just like you, I want to affect change in the world so that things can get better on whatever level that is and for whoever that is. And if we're afraid of somebody not liking something that we post, it's because that'll make it uncomfortable for us. Right. But are we really going to let that stop us when there's so much other discomfort going on in the world that we think that we could help change? Right. That's a good point. And so you need to stop letting the fear of it not working prevent us from even starting. And it's okay if it doesn't work because you can just try again. As I've said before, not that many people are watching right now at the beginning. So now is the best time to start because it's okay if you stumble. It's okay if you fall. You just get back up and you try it a different way.
0: But I will say beginnings are hard, but I also think that they can be exciting.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's I think, where we're a little different. Same with like the directions or trying to get crossing the sea, right? Sure. You are like exhilarated or you're energized by travel or by the opportunity.
0: New possibilities. New
1: possibilities, right? Yeah, Like that energy you get from the, that is not what I feel. I tend to be more of, oh, that's different. It might be bad. Like that's, that's where my brain comes from. And so you wanting to cross an ocean, you've gotten me to cross an ocean.
0: I have. (laughs) I have.
1: And I put my, I put my, I've put my toes in both the Atlantic and the Pacific. So, but that's just kind of where you come from, you know, like, what am I trying to say here? Yeah, you're you're excited by beginning something, and you also said, you know, but then sometimes you kind of trail off, right? The early, this mm-hmm. is way long ago. Like like the puzzle. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah, just, yeah. you know, oh my we goodness. don't need to go this there. Puzzle. I mean, you started that puzzle a month and a half ago,
0: but the puzzle was hard.
1: Yeah. No, I know. I know.
0: So I have to tell everyone what the puzzle is just to defend myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the puzzle was a thousand piece puzzle of all Lego people heads.
1: It's called minifigures.
0: Sorry, minifigure Lego minifigure heads. Minifig mini heads. heads. And it probably had how many heads on it? A hundred, 150?
1: Oh, way more than that. Okay. It's got, I don't even know. You'd have to count. You just do the old like count up, and count across and multiply. <laughs>
0: Come on. I know, but it's not in front of me. So so this puzzle, a thousand pieces. I even put it out at Easter, hoping that maybe some some folks would help me finish this puzzle.
1: Somebody helped. She organized all the pieces into perfectly organized rows and columns.
0: <laughs> yes, your 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 <laughs> mom helped organize the pieces, but <laughs> she got one piece. She said,
1: "Yeah, but she organized them all. She orientated all of the pieces to the proper orientation." I believe. I'm yeah. guessing. I'm guessing they were all facing the direction they were supposed to be, just not yes. Where they, were they were all supposed facing to the
0: same direction.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, but but that from a stopping standpoint, that one was a slog. I would say to finish. I'm, ex- I love puzzling, but I also don't want the puzzle to be so hard that it frustrates the hell out of me.
1: Right. Well, and that's you know cuz the it's puzzle the same with
0: projects actually. Yeah,
1: cuz the puzzle isn't a project, it's something that helps you get through a project, right? Sure. In a way. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a project, but it's more of like a coloring book. Like Yeah. It's supposed to it's recreation as well as like a task where when we talk about a project, it's more of like this is something to overcome and, and reckon with almost.
0: Oh, well, that's interesting. A project, overcome and reckon?
1: Well, I mean, that's how it doesn't. Isn't that how it feels sometimes with work?
0: Sometimes.
1: You got to surmount it, right? You got to. There's a there's a slog that comes to it that I don't think that's what you're looking for in a puzzle. You're actually looking to get away from this daily slog. I think True. when it turns into a slog, it's like this isn't what this this is supposed to just be mind numbing. (laughs) I mean, that's that's one of the things that I appreciated about my my work before when I was doing certain things, it was mind-numbing repetition that's almost meditative. And I could listen to music. I could listen to Hamilton on repeat before we even saw it. Like I could listen to podcasts. So it was like a way for me to kind of zone out, but yet be, be productive, right? And I think there's there's a power to that when the thing that is supposed to give you some some type of solace... <laughs> turns into the thing you're trying to get solace from that that's problematic <laughs> it's fair it's fair <laughs> and, point. and so but it's also kind of fun to have a challenge like i don't think you you don't quite know what you're getting into until you get into it and that uh, i guess there's a little epiphany that's why you start right yeah. start instead right. of instead of being afraid of what might happen and that's maybe why when you when you want to go faster to find out when we're lost and you want to go drive faster to try to figure out where makes all the sense to me. Right. Like I, that, and I'm like, no, let's pause, let's pause and let's step back. Right. But if you, if you don't start, if you keep analyzing, if you hold back and wait for the right moment, it's never going to come. Right. Like, I think that makes sense. Like I kind of went on like three different tangents there, but it's like, if you're constantly waiting for the right time, it's never going to come like that's a constant delay right.
0: so even i mean and this is this isn't exactly what you're saying but i think some of it you just need to start and realize that the perfection in all of it it's all going to work out or it's all not going to work out but i also think and this might be a little i don't know what the word is woo 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 thank you
1: that's what they're all saying though
0: this might be a little woo woo but i think sometimes things that are going to work out are going to work out. I think that's just, just how it is. Right.
1: So I have a question about that. So you kind of, you kind of said, whatever will be, will be kind of. So the outcome is the outcome I say, right? Yep. The best illustration of that is Seth Godin talks about that in the practice and the outcome is going to be the outcome. You did all you can do. It's going to be what it's going to be. So let's move on and do it again. But then on the other hand, when you're like oh whatever will be will be my brain goes to i'll be like well if it's not happening the way i want it to could i have done it better why didn't i do it better what can i do next time to make it work right i can't believe i failed why did it go wrong you know so it kind of, that kind of defeatist or deficit sure. mindset right versus like a growth mindset maybe or right. i'm not quite sure but like i i see the I see the positivity or the The benefit of like, well, if it works out, it works out. But then there is a part of me that is, well, if I had tried harder, like that's the kind of the control freak in me of like, well, if I just was more diligent, it would be okay. And it's my fault that it's wrong because I, I didn't Mm. work hard enough. Right. And that's not right, but it's there. Sure. (laughs) Like thoughts on that. Or like, cause I, I like, I like the idea of not having to carry that burden of it's my failure I mean, when it comes to something like gardening, maybe it's like, eh, you know, I only got half of the cherry tomatoes I wanted because these ones didn't work and it might not be my fault or it might be, but whatever, I got some Mm -hmm. or I didn't. But when it comes to other things like that might have a little more weight to them, it's like, how do you not take on that burden of, or that ownership when it's maybe just, you're almost beating yourself up and it's kind of undue.
0: Sure. Yeah, it's a good question. It's hard because it's one of those woulda, coulda, shouldas, right? Like if I would have done it better or I should have done this or I could have done it that way, maybe things would have turned out in the way that I anticipated. But I also, I think personally, I always think, who am I to think that this is what was predestined? To think that this, the thing that I thought should turn out the way that I thought it should turn out was the way it ought to be.
1: That's what's interesting to me is like, sometimes I feel like, well, I should have done better and it's my fault or I should hold all the power. And then another time I'll be like, well, it was meant to be, it was meant to be, it's out of my control. Sure. So that balance of it's my f- Shooting on yourself, right? Is right. like you. You help me remember that. Like <laughs> I should have done this, or I should have done that. It's like, well, you're going to just kind of be sad and upset if you keep doing that to yourself.
0: So I think one thing that's resonating with me, or maybe something that I'm thinking about, is that it's really interesting in how you frame frame it. Something that didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen. Yeah, our project didn't turn out the way you thought a project was supposed to turn out, mm-hmm. and And so I think there's two ways. Well, there's probably more than two, but the two things that I think of immediately are this didn't turn out and I wasn't able to control the inputs to make the output the way that I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. So it's my burden Mm -hmm. or my fault. The other thing that I think, though, is there's a reframing there of thinking that perhaps the project that I did what I put into it, I gave it my all. I gave it the best chance I could. Perhaps that project, there's a different reason why it turned out the way it did.
1: So the power kind of lies in knowing the difference between the two, right?
0: Right. Because I think if I personally, if I was to take on the burden of knowing that Each project that I did that I wasn't able to control the outcome of, I think that would be really heavy for me to take on with the caveat that I think every time something turns out the way you don't think it should, I do think that instead of, of becoming like Eeyore about it, right? Like, oh no, (laughs) it wasn't going to work anyway. Mm -hmm. I do think that there is there's an opportunity to be inquisitive about that. I think there's a way to say, okay, I did X why happened. I didn't think why it was going to happen. I wanted something different to happen. What can I learn from this? What is the gift? What's the opportunity? Right. So the next time that I approach this, what have I learned? Is it I need a better timeline? Is it I need more flexibility and freedom potentially? Am I squashing my my creativity? Is it that what I'm trying to do doesn't really resonate with me and I'm just trying to monetize something? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for because I'm chasing something that isn't something that actually drives me and excites me. And so, anyway, those are the things that come to mind when you ask that that question.
1: That's good. That was really good.
0: Oh. Sorry, I dropped my pen. My pen. Quick question. Yeah. What projects are you working on?
1: I am working on this podcast trying to produce edit just overall creative come up with what is this podcast going to be how do we put something out that we're both happy with and can stand behind i have been doing my video editing that's about it how about you
0: so i have been working on growing little seedlings Mm -hmm. This is spring. We finally, the snow has melted. I'm working on watching and caring for my little pepper plants, my tomatoes, my lavender, my Thai basil, all of those amazing little plants. So, And then another project I'm working on is trying to figure out my presence on social media. But that is something that is a longer term project. And it's more than just one post. And I'm proud to say that with Keith's help, I was able to post one post <laughs> on Friday, and now I need to figure out how to keep that that train train rolling. So
1: nice, so we'll 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 get it going. It's you have a lot of things you can post about. You just got to get in the the habit. Awesome, we'll be back again next time. See you later.
0: See you later, everyone.